0: welcome to Good Old Fashioned Theology. This is Father Chris Stolle, and with me as always is Lance Lucas. We have a pretty fantastic uh, show lined up for you today, our first ever two-parter. And so since we need all the prayers we can get, Lance, how about you go ahead and lead us in a prayer?
1: Sounds good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tell him, Father, be in our thoughts, our words, and our hearts. um, As we talk about you tonight, as we talk about the Eucharist, um, please be with us, guide us, through this podcast and everyone else, that they may have an open heart and open mind to hear your words. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good one, Lance. Thank you. Thank you, Father yeah. Stoli. Welcome back. Nice to see Welcome. you again. Yeah, it's
0: great seeing you. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We, we've a... had
1: some requests actually to uh, try to get this on video, which we got some time before we can do that. I think.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we better figure that out before. Yep. we've we're still trying to figure out the sound i can't imagine
1: what trying to get video yeah. involved is yeah i don't go to entail no i don't want to mess with that right now and i don't want to put colton <laughs> through that too right now so oh, yeah he would just skin us alive <laughs> i asked him and he he sounded confident but at the same time i could hear a little little hesitation in his voice and i was like oh kind yeah. of like an
0: oh i i could yeah, yeah
1: exactly <laughs> so colton we'll, we'll save you it for now but um maybe in the future
0: <laughs> yeah. And shout out to Colton. Yeah, thanks uh, for all
1: your work on this. That's great. Yeah, our producer, um he's been he's been awesome. Colton Herbert has been phenomenal at putting these together, working his butt off and putting together what we like, whatever we give him. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's it doesn't sound the best, but that's okay. He does yeah, a good job. Yeah, so. uh, man. Sometimes I feel bad because we basically just give him a train wreck. <laughs> we do. And we're like, here, go ahead and fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and it ends up being pretty good. So. Can't complain. Um, yeah, so we're gonna be talking about the Eucharist tonight. Um, in this podcast, it's like Father slowly said, it's gonna be a two parter. Actually, we're gonna kind of do just a brief, um, not brief. We're gonna do a a overview of the Eucharist, and we're not gonna do it justice by any means, but we'll try. We'll sure try. Oh yeah, <laughs> we could spend probably a year, yeah,
0: on the Eucharist and still not no even come close to you know scratching the surface. So. Yeah. This is going to be um, like the most rudimentary of rudimentary things. If you want to, if you want to learn more, I've got we've got a list of sources that we'll share with you. Yep, um, yeah, we'll so put them all go check there. all those out.
1: Yeah, we'll put them at the end. We'll put them in the show notes. Um, and uh, there's there's so many different there's a plethora, and they they keep coming out with more and more, which is awesome. Oh yeah, it's so. just. But yeah, so the first part is going stuff. to be kind of doing an overview, of the history, um, where it comes from um, all that kind of stuff where we, where we find it. And then second part, uh, we're going to get more into kind of, um, how we, how we are living that out today, um, where that's at and multiple different aspects of our, our everyday life. So
0: yeah, kind of getting into the nitty gritty of Eucharistic
1: living. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, to start though, we'll, um, our saint of the pod is St. Tarsisius, which I know nothing about. I, uh, I said that correctly. I had to write it out. Um. <laughs> <laughs> did you even like put little dashes so I you did Where the I did yep yep exactly Tarsis <laughs> so um, yeah I know nothing about Tarsisius at the moment but I'm excited to learn a little bit more Father Sully, what, do you, what do you got on Tarsisius St. So, Tarsisius
0: um, my first exposure to St. Tarsisius was actually in second grade uh, because really? we had to do for part of our first communion prep we did like these little skits, um, just like throughout the school year, we would do just different projects. And one of those mm-hmm. projects was this little skit. And uh, I was hooked up with the story of St. Tarsius, And I was the narrator, a oh. uh, little eight-year-old Father Stoley, Voice of an not angel. father at the time. Uh, a fallen angel, but an <laughs> angel. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so when my mom was like, you're like an angel that fell to me from heaven that's what as i got older i realized she was calling me a demon yeah. but you know that that's okay it happens that's um good. but she still loves you she does yeah she does from a distance from this <laughs> just kidding no yeah she's yeah she is great tremendous source of support yes but i made life hell for her <laughs> uh but saint tarsisius so as i said second grade we kind of did this little skit and Saint Tarsius was an early church martyr. Uh, he was young, like uh, he was in his late teens, early twenties when he died. He died okay. in two seventy five, uh, and he used to take communion to uh, prisoners, Christians who were in prison for their faith, who were being, oh. who had been captured, and so he'd go to these different jails and these different prisons and give them. And kind of give them communion, kind of toss down communion. Because at the time, prisons weren't prisons as we think of them today, mm-hmm. like where there's doors with cell bars and all that stuff. Most prisons were actually just a pit, and oh. like you, each each prisoner had kind of their pit, and they just threw you in there and let you and just left you. Okay. So similar to an oubliette, but not quite as not quite as uh, uh, dastardly, I suppose you could say gotcha so it's uh but so he'd go to these prisons and take people communion and eventually these fellows of his people that knew him who were pagan had saw him and were asking hey what are you doing he goes i nothing but i i gotta go and he had wrapped in his cloak communion which at the time were broke was broken loaves right so he had them close to his chest and they said, "No, let us see it." He's like, "No, I got to take this to the to the poor, and I got to take it to the sick, and I've got to take it to the to the imprisoned." Mm-hmm. So "No, show us what it is." So they wrestled with him, tried to get it off, but he just kept it close to his chest and uh, wouldn't let it go. And eventually, they tried to wrestle it away from him so hard that eventually they just killed him. Wow! Right? And then, uh, uh, then they still couldn't get it because his hands were clasped so hard around the, uh, the, Eucharist. the the Eucharist that even after death they couldn't move it. Wow, so eventually another Christian comes by and sees him, and kind of sees what he's doing. So he goes to check, and he finds the Eucharist, and so he takes it then oh. to the sick That's uh, cool. because he he would the only reason he would have held it like that, and he would have he would have recognized it. So he mm-hmm. recognized what it was and understood what Tarsius was trying to do. Yeah. So he informed some other Christians of what happened. They came to the body, and he went and continued the communion rounds. Very so cool. that is uh they that is Saint Tarsius. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, a, that's a really cool story. Mm-hmm. Huh. So as uh and that's actually kind of where we get the idea of the burse. So the burse is a little pouch that we put a Pix in. So okay. the PIX is a little container. That's what we put the Eucharist in if we're gonna go do hospital calls or nursing home calls, whatever, and we're taking communion to people. Right. We put it in a little pouch called a burse. Okay. so that's kind of where the, the idea came the from comes in yeah yep so that's Tarsisius man well very cool yeah champion I of the love, Eucharist champion
1: I love that that's a really cool story I really didn't know that um I mean there's lots of Eucharistic stories but I mean the idea that he had a clasp of his chest and then even after he died they still couldn't you know release his his clasp which is cool it's awesome yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned for
0: part two, Saint, because that's an even more modern and more incredible Saint. All right. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. I'll stay tuned. You'll stay tuned. We're going to do both parts at one time, man. man. This is nuts. (laughs) What have we done? I don't know. It's gonna be fun. That's okay. (laughs) Everything is okay. Everything's fine. fine. It's great. It's great.
1: Cool. (laughs) Um, yeah. So diving into, um, the sacrament. So again, we're, we're continuing on with the sacrament series. Um, going over the Eucharist, this is considered the third, the third sacrament, um, kind of in the order of receiving them or what they're supposed to be received. Um, so we've now, Mm -hmm. this is going to be our, actually our fourth, fourth episode on the sacraments, but, um, so we did baptism, um, confirmation, and now we're doing Eucharist. So, what's kind of, uh, maybe just give kind of a brief overview again. Um, what is a sacrament and why we're going through this, the importance of it, that kind of stuff.
0: Sure. So uh, the sacrament, as we know, the the definition of a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ that gives grace, that gives us life, right? Right. right. So it's what we're trying to say is that's an external sign of an internal reality. And that internal reality simultaneously connects us in a certain way, but also gives us life, right? So um, the idea of the sacrament of the Eucharist is that it's this external sign of an internal reality, like I said. So what is The internal reality, you know, so if we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity, as we believe is in the Eucharist, what's that inward reality? So that inward reality is communion with God, Hmm. you know, so the Eucharist is the Paschal mystery, meaning that's the sacrifice of Jesus, um, the passion, death, resurrection, ascension. uh, That's all contained in that one Eucharist. So that sacrifice of Jesus, the Paschal mystery, is that which reconciles us to the father. And reconciles us to each other. So this reconciliation, another word for it is communion, right? Because right. if we're reconciled, we're brought into a union with someone Others. else. Right. Okay. Which is what communion is. It's a it's a type of it's a it's a more intimate union. So um in receiving communion and receiving the Eucharist, we're entering the deepest, most intimate communication that we can experience with God, um, especially here on earth, right? right? Uh, So, it's this intimate, deep, profound communication with this God who loves us, uh, with a spouse who died for us. And uh, what we really see in the Eucharist is kind of the marital act between Christ and his church. So, the internal reality is this intimate union with God that gives us grace, that gives us life, that keeps us alive. Uh, So,. We see this idea of communion, this idea of reconciliation throughout the history of the church, throughout the Eucharist, throughout the Eucharist, throughout scriptures, especially, (laughs) uh, especially in the Eucharist. Right. But we see this especially in scripture. Uh, So kind of what our plan is um, after that really brief overview of what we see in the sacrament, we'll dive deeper into it in part two. Uh, But that external sign, that internal reality, that communion, that reconciliation We see it all over the place. So what our plan is, is to dive into the scriptures to take a deep look at certain aspects. Um, For example, the Passover, the idea of a memorial, bread of the presence, all these different things in order to understand that deep communion, that deep connection we have with the Lord who gives himself to us.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, it's I mean, that's exactly I think. It is that we're, God has always wanted this connection, this union with us, with, with man, um, this love between the two. And, um, one of the greatest ways he's ever done it is through the Eucharist and mm-hmm. understanding where that actually comes from, because he was in union, um, with, you know, prophets and the, the Israelites in the old Testament. And where is that now? And how does that, how has that gone you know from the old testament to the new testament and to today you know cuz yeah we're still human beings that are still wanting to be in union and god is still wanting to be in union with us so
0: yeah it's and it's uh it's really a beautiful way that he fulfills his promise to be Emmanuel with us you know god with us right uh he is most with us in the eucharist mm-hmm. and um it's really powerful if you take the idea of Emmanuel and you mix it with what we see in Exodus 3 so in Exodus 3 is where we finally get the name of God right we get right. i am right. right so this i am he this is like the the first and really the only time we see a god giving us his own name hmm. you know if you look at the gods of the pagans who gives them their names humans do. we do right. humans do right so this is the first time we see a god coming to man Moses and saying my name is i am you gotcha. know, I am who I am. Right. So that is a really deep connection to this Emmanuel, right? And the reason it's a deep connection is because you have to read that I am statement with the last few verses of chapter 2 in Exodus, where it says that he heard the cry of the Israelites. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. He's he uh, He knew them and he saw them. So it's this, when we see this, I am, what we're seeing is not just his name, but we're also seeing that he is the God who hears, he's the God who remembers, he's the God who knows, he's the God who sees. And because of that, he takes that and gives it to us. And so when he gives us his own name, he's trying to enter into a personal relationship with us. And the most intimate way is to actually be God with us, you know, this Emmanuel, And that most intimate way is until we see him face to face the
1: Eucharist. Gotcha. So it's a great overview. Now, (laughs) uh, (laughs) transitioning, I mean, we have that, but, um, I think that's exactly where we want to transition into getting into the scripture and, and where we're seeing this and where we're seeing God being with us, God's face with us, um, his love for us, um, with his people. And so, um, yeah, I guess I think the first place to start is um, probably with with the Exodus and where what what happened with the Exodus, um, especially you know what the purpose of the Exodus was, and I guess a brief overview of that is um, as um, the Israelites were slaved by the Egyptians, um, the ten plagues we kind of know that story through Exodus, the ten mm-hmm. plagues that happened, the last one. Being that God would kill the firstborn son of anyone that didn't um, follow His order, specifically with this Passover meal, and so yeah. I don't know if you want to kind of dive into the Passover a little bit, um, yeah. Let's, what, what that look like?
0: Yeah, let's do that. Let's go through the Passover real quick, and then the idea of memorial, yeah, um, because that'll definitely lead us into something that we should uh, we should look at with kind of what the expectation of the Israelites had. Um, because we have all these amazing things like later on in like Leviticus, we have the bread of the presence and we have different rules for different sacrifices and things like that. But all of them have part of their, their foundation in the idea of the Passover as, as a feast because the Passover was the most important feast of the, of the year. Right. Um, it started, you know, the feast of the feast of unleavened bread, Mm -hmm. right? Which is where they're remembering all the pain and all the suffering that they had in Egypt, right? right. So it all begins here. So in Exodus 12, uh, if any of you need kind of a refresher, Exodus 12 is where we see the Passover happening, and where the 10th plague um, occurs. So it's that entire chapter, more or less. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we see in the Passover is an, in, this wild transition from you know an obstinate pharaoh to get out you know he's like because yeah. he's and moses was like i've that's what i've been trying to say <laughs> you know so it's it throughout all of exodus those first 12 chapters are really just pharaoh being mean. being pharaoh <laughs> being pharaoh <laughs> uh, despite all these different signs despite all these different things and uh he just is saying no he's saying no And so that's when we get the 10 plagues mm-hmm. So then the 10th plague is announced in chapter 11, right? So he tells Moses, here's what you're going to do. Uh, about midnight, I'll go forth through Egypt. It says in chapter 11, verse 4, I will go forth through Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt will die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn of the slave girl who's at the handmill. So no one is safe, right? Right. Then there will be loud wailing, et cetera. Right? So if we jump down to uh, chapter 9, oh, chapter 9, excuse me, verse 9. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> uh, say, the wow. Lord said to Moses, <laughs> Pharaoh will not listen to you so that, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Right, So he's still going to have this heart and heart, but mm-hmm. this is going to be where it kind of begins. So that's when we get to chapter 12, where God prescribes the Passover meal and he tells them exactly what they're going to do. Right. Uh, So he says, this month will stand at the head of your calendar. So this is the most important month, right? This is the month of freedom. Right. right? So this Mm. is the month of their freedom from slavery. And therefore, our slavery from oppression as well. That's the idea. That's one of the hopes. So this month will stand at the head of your calendar. You will reckon it the first month of the year. So this is their January. Right. Tell the whole community of Israel on the 10th of this month, every family must procure for itself a lamb. One apiece for each household. If a household is too small for a lamb, it, along with its nearest neighbor, will procure one.
1: Cool. Great. Right. And so that is basically just saying, like, they need to find an unblemished male lamb that they're going to they're going to have, right? And then...
0: yep. And that comes with, that comes actually here in this next couple okay. of verses. Actually, okay. so it's uh, your lamb must be a year old male without blemish. You may take it from either the sheep or the goats. You'll keep it till the fourteenth day. It'll be slaughtered etc. You'll take some of its blood, apply it to the doorposts, and then we know the rest, right? The angel of death comes and passes over the houses, hence the Passover, Right. and uh, everything's great. But then what we <laughs> see happen is, uh, is after all of this instruction is given, the Lord tells them you're going to do this yearly. Like this is a yearly celebration. Right. This is a memorial. So the idea of a memorial uh, is intrinsically tied in with Passover because a memorial is more than just we remember what happened. Right. Right. So a memorial is uh, is a representation of the event. Right. So we're mystically transported to back that to day. Th- right. So as they're celebrating Passover in their own homes, they're being mystically transported to you know three thousand years back. Right. To the first, to
1: those Israelites who were leaving Egypt, they were participating with that first uh, Passover as they were leaving the the Exodus itself.
0: Yes, and therefore going themselves from slavery to freedom. To freedom, right? Mm. Right. Gotcha. So, yeah. So it's this uh, the the Passover, which starts as a kind of a meal of haste actually because that's hence the unleavened bread they don't have time to let it rise right uh they need to get out of slavery so they're commemorating this this freedom through this memorial so it's but it's more than just a
1: commemoration it's Mm -hmm. they're
0: living it right in their lives right so they have this different liturgical actions uh to help out with that gotcha
1: yeah, so I guess kind of a brief overview of the parts. Um and this is I mean a lot of my stuff that I'm gonna be kind of pulling from is from uh Brant Petrie's book. It's called Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. Um, excellent book. Great book. Again, we'll put it in the show notes, but that's where I'm gonna be pulling a lot of my, my notes from. Um but uh kind of to summarize, I guess, Exodus twelve and the parts of um of the the Exodus, the Passover meal, is basically again a male lamb. Um, unblemished, keep it for 14 days. Um, you're going to then sacrifice the lamb. They have to sacrifice the lamb and then again spread the lamb's blood um, on the entryways. That's um, basically the point of that was uh, the blood stains the wood, which is again that outward sign of a complete sacrifice happening. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's actually their shine, their sign to God showing that they completed that sacrifice. They're sacrificing with the Lord. Um, fourthly, uh, must eat the flesh of the lamb. Um, And that's where the unleavened bread, again, the Feast of the Haste, You know they they don't have time, they're trying to get out to freedom. And then finally, exactly what you just talked about on uh, a memorial or a day of remembrance. Um, And that Mm -hmm. remembrance is bringing them back into this first exodus. So whenever they celebrate this, it was ordered for them to do it every year at this time to uh, celebrate in their remembrance of this this exodus, um, this freedom that they received.
0: Yeah, and it's good to that we need to remember the the consuming of the sacrifice too. That becomes an essential. element. It does. It does. Um, so uh, remember, keep that in the back of your minds. We won't talk about it yet, <laughs> but it's remember that consuming the sacrifice is an essential element. Yeah. yeah.
1: So um, now, after the exodus and they leave, now they're they're at Mount Sinai, and we kind of have this situation arise, which is exactly where. Um, God kind of institutes it a little bit more of saying, no, we're going to continue to celebrate this as a day of remembrance. Is that correct? Or was that, I'm maybe I'm misinterpreting that, but is it said also nope. in Exodus 12 and then also at Mount Sinai or is it, when, when is that actually? Yeah, there's a,
0: there's actually a lot of laws that are repeated throughout the okay. Pentateuch. So, uh, and Passover is one of them. So okay. yeah, pass the Passover laws are repeated probably two or three more times after that's this first Passover. Okay. okay. So um, I'd have to read through my Pentateuch a little more <laughs> in depth to remember exactly how many times, but right, it's, the, it's at least twice that it's that it's said, maybe even three. Yeah, definitely.
1: So okay, now that we have had um, the Exodus happen, this Passover, um, they've they've now are free. Um, mm-hmm. We now kind of as we move through the Old Testament, I, there's kind of some hopes that the the Israelites, I guess, have um because now they're free and they they go through the 40 years um where they're celebrating and during the 40 years god is with them um in mysterious ways and specifically uh for their food they're, they're in the desert and so for 40 years they're given um the bread from heaven manna and also um flesh uh quail um the, the quail comes at dusk is that correct Yep, that's correct. Because um then what
0: ends up happening in the morning is when they would wake up and that's when the mana would be there. Right, to the do right, right. Mm-hmm. And mana is actually a question, fun fact. It's what is this?
1: Yeah, it is. They don't know because what Because everyone is.
0: walked out there and they're like, mana.
1: What is this? And <laughs> so, so I'm gonna have some of this uh whatever it is. is what right it
0: was what they're saying.
1: Right. Um so I guess with that. I, do you do we want to kind of talk about the manna and where that comes in and the importance of this with the Eucharist?
0: Yeah, I think we do. I think we should mention that. That's kind of a big piece because um, we talk about um, this bread from heaven. I mean, we hear about it from John. We'll get to this when we talk about the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But we hear in John that I am the bread from heaven. He's saying he's the new manna. Right. Uh, which is, and the manna for the Jews was not just a uh, this thing that kind of that god gave them it was seen to be the bread of the angels that was then given to men right right, right. so it's this it's this bread of heaven hence and,
1: and with that it's some i guess ancient jewish writers and, and scholars actually you, you mentioned you know bread from from the angels uh it's considered actually to be a pre-existing element or you know yeah piece where this was existing before Creation, even um, mm-hmm. God yeah, had this, this kind of
0: like this this pre uh, this pre-creational
1: food intimacy or... right. that
0: he had with his uh, with his angels like right. this food yeah it's exactly. his life-giving thing exactly uh, that comes from intimacy with God
1: and and now he's sharing that with the Israelites um, during during their 40 years
0: yeah and uh, so I know this is kind of jumping ahead to the New Testament a little bit but if you look at the, the our Father Um, Where it says, give us this day our daily bread. It's not actually daily bread. If you look at the Greek in which the Gospels are written, it's the supernatural. Supernatural, exactly. And uh, supernatural, by definition, is everything above our nature. Mm -hmm. Right? So things that are celestial, things that are heavenly. Uh, If it's a supernatural bread, it's the bread from heaven. So it's give us this day our manna. Give us this day this is life-giving sustenance that comes only from you. Right. And that's not a new idea. That Jesus didn't just make that up and put it in the Our Father. Right. <laughs> that was
1: a prayer for eons. Right. Right. Which we'll we'll get more into that too, especially once we get to the New Testament. Absolutely. So with this manna, um, you know, I guess they they were given this this manna. What were some of the things that they were supposed to do with it? Um, some I'm gonna call it regulations. It's not really regulations, but um, <laughs> yeah. how were they supposed to to handle it, and what were they supposed to do with it?
0: They were able to collect it in the morning, and then really do whatever they wanted with it. Honestly, to make to eat it, yeah. obviously, but right. so some of them made little cakes out of them and things mm-hmm. like that. But the only thing was, it couldn't be kept over till the next day. Right, right. So if it would, if they tried to keep it over the next day, it would either spoil or would mm-hmm. disappear. So um, we see this interesting idea of kind of a renewal, right? right. In this bread from heaven. Right. So it's not just a, it's not just a um, survival effect. It's not just something that is sustenance. It's also a rejuvenating and renewing effect. Mm. So every day that it's new, right? So right. it's the same thing, but it's new, it's new. every day. Right. right. So it's the same life, but it's a new life every day. Gotcha. Gotcha. So this manna that comes, it's... Like I said, they can go out. They can collect it in the morning. Uh, they can, and it depended on the size of the family, how much they could collect. Gotcha. But they uh, would go out collect whatever was rationed to them, mm-hmm. and then they would eat it. Gotcha. Cool. Right? They would eat it.
1: So um, we kind of talked about the mana, and I guess I'm where I'm really I'm trying to get to is, um, you know, the Israelites. They had this time, and then they made it to the Promised Land, but. A lot happened between uh, the time they made it to the promised land to the time Jesus came. Um, Hence uh, where the Messiah comes into the picture and and the hope for the Messiah, the hope for the new, um, basically, yeah, the new the the Messiah to come. And so there's kind of four main things that uh, Brant Petrie talks about, and I kind of want to touch a little bit about them, Um, but I think it will help us throughout this Old Testament too, going through it, um, that really the Israelites were hoping – for four main things they were they were hoping for a new moses as moses himself said that there would be one like me um that will come second they're hoping for a new covenant again this this whole idea that um the sacrifice that happened at the passover uh, was a covenant that god made to protect his people um third it was a new temple um we we see that and throughout leviticus um and throughout you know kind of exodus as well that god Commands the Israelites to build a temple for him, and that's where, hence, where we get the Ark of the Covenant. Um, we get the instructions for the temple. Um, we get the Levitical priests and their sacrifice that they're able to be able to make um, with this. Um, a lot comes with the new temple or with a temple, um, and then finally is the Promised Land. Again, they made it to the Promised Land, but then that was taken away from them as we progressed to the Old Testament. That they were hoping for a new Promised Land. So. Mm -hmm. I guess a recap again, a new Moses, uh, a new covenant, a new temple, and a new promised land is really what the Israelites were hoping for um, throughout the Old Testament. And honestly, even the first early century Jews until Christ came, that's what they were hoping for.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that promised land especially was kind of huge because all of these things were to be seen in this new promised land. You know, yeah. so this, the new Moses, the new covenant, the new temple, the new tabernacle, really. Right. Is, was, it was all meant to be contained within this new promised land. Uh, where the things that were a sign of things to come would no longer be needed because they'd have the fruit of the earth. Mm-hmm. So when you see Joshua lead the Israelites into the promised land, it says that that day the manna and quail ceased. Right. Because they were able to eat from the fruit of the promised land. Right. So our idea of... This, the, so their idea of this new promised land was these things with that we're currently dealing with and things that we're doing will no longer need them because we'll be in the new promised land. Right. We'll be in the place where God is right. in his pre- full full presence. Exactly.
1: Um, and so I guess with that and, and with the manna and kind of the temple, they, there's a couple of important things that I think went with the temple. And I don't know if we want to go into that because um, I think it'll lead us into some of the other important things related sure. to the eucharist um but i don't know if Do you kind of want to talk about the parts of the temple i don't necessarily you don't need to know all the cubics uh, cubits and uh the dimensions <laughs> of the temple but i guess maybe thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe some of the important uh parts of the temple um and the significance of them
0: well so the temple had several different parts there's like courtyards and all these different things mm-hmm. but the very the the temple uh, that is eventually built in Solomon's time is uh, is just, well, it's massive. Right. But its central piece was the Holy of Holies. So the Holy of Holies was contained within the tabernacle. Tabernacle is a, uh, is a Hebrew word meaning tent or dwelling. Mm-hmm. So the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was was called the tabernacle. So the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths is the Feast of Tents, right. the dwellings. So they... Uh, while they were going through the desert had a specific tabernacle for the ark of the covenant right uh, which contained you know the ten commandments contained all that stuff mm-hmm. um, some manna some all that jazz right so when we get to the temple of solomon the holy of holies is this is a special area within the tabernacle itself within the sanctuary mm-hmm. and uh that was the center of all worship so only the high priest could enter the holy of holies and that was once a year. Right. Right. So then you get to like an outer area of the sanctuary, which kind of encompasses the whole thing. That's where mm-hmm. the priests are doing their thing. Right. Then you get outer and that's where the people are. But they also had a couple of rooms where they would do the do the sacrifices. Right. So the, te- the temple had many things going right. on. <laughs> right. Right.
1: And there was kind of three main components of the tabernacles, but, um, you know, Moses and especially in Solomon's time, you know, with, um, again, the center of it being the Holy of Holies consisting of the Ark of the Covenant, um, important again, mm. they had manna in there, um, with them and then, yeah. um, Aaron's staff and 10 commandments were in that in the Ark of the Covenant. And then outside of that, if I'm not mistaken, like right before that kind of deal was called the Holy Place, um, and that had three components as well it had the golden lampstand or the menorah um uh-huh. then they had the altar of incense which is again where sacrifice incense. sacrifice happens and then um the bread of the presence was there as well bread of the presence yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so the only so the uh and those
0: were always incredible those were always important cuz like you have the menorah uh which is you know symbol of you know god's light mm-hmm. and the people of Israel and all the the things that they uh, that they hold most dear right right? so it's kind of this offering to God right and the menorah by the way is the way it's set up the way it's constructed is that it has these these arms and if you've never seen one it's these multiple arcs basically one two three four five six seven and it's got seven flames on it basically so um, there's one that goes straight up in the middle, and then two on that side, two on each of those out. sides, etc. So it just right. keeps going out. So there's seven of them, right? So seven being a divine number, mm-hmm. you know, it's this kind of the sign of God's presence, right? Uh, but or a, a symbol of his a symbol of his light and life, because just like fire, it's active, it's all consuming. Uh, then you have the altar of incense, which is a symbol of our prayers rising up to God. Incense has always been a symbol of worship, right? And it's- uh, so that's why. The pat the the prophets were always getting pissed off and saying things like, <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> this is why the prophets, whenever they were getting on the Israelites, they never said um that it's you know, it, they never said you're doing you're you're worshiping false gods. They always said you're burning incense to false gods. Mm. Because that meant that they were burning, they're giving, they're offering right. themselves over. Right. Uh, to these false gods uh committing this adultery right right
1: and if i'm not mistaken too um, incense were always associated with sacrifice as well is that correct yes yeah yeah okay. so
0: they always burnt so inc- incense was always part of a sacrifice always okay because it was a symbol of our our prayers rising up to god with this sacrifice right right, right. okay um so that's hence why we still use insensit mass, but I'm jumping ahead. Right. Right. We'll get there. Uh, So we'll get there. I got excited, man. I got excited. (laughs) We all do. But then you have the bread of the presence, the bread of the presence. It's also called the show bread. Right. Um, we see that show up in Leviticus 24. Um, and eventually we kind of need to talk about Leviticus 17, but, um, that, that can, um, because that's when we talk about the consuming of, talk about the consuming of blood and how that's problematic. But then Jesus is like,
1: consume my consume blood consume mine yeah <laughs>
0: so that eventually we'll talk about but for now yeah. let's look at Leviticus 24 if we look at Leviticus 24 and we look specifically at verses 5 uh 5 to 9 i think yeah so if we look for specifically at verses 5 to 9 it talks about the 12 cakes so there are these 12 breads and uh and it's these it's these wheat flour breads right there are these unleavened cakes right, right? And they put in two piles, six in each pile. And it's on a pure gold table. And the, it's important that these are, everything is pure. So we talk about pure gold. We talk about pure silver, all of these things. And that's not just because it's stronger. It's not because it's it's cleaner and nicer. It's because it's pure. You know, if God is pure and without defect, we need pure gold. We need pure right, silver, right? right? So it's on this gold table before the Lord. And that's important, before the Lord. So that's Kind of in front of the holy of holies, mm-hmm. like directly in front, and uh, with each pile they'll put some incense, frankincense, which shall serve as an oblation to the Lord, a sacrifice, a, a memorial. It, the, actually, the word oblation um, in Greek is is memorial. Mm. Uh, so it's um, it's uh, so in Hebrew it's offering or oblation, but uh, it's um, it's memorial in Greek. So. We can talk about why we talk about the greek all the time another time but for now the old testament was written in hebrew and then a bunch of people created the septuagint which are 70 elders they made the septuagint gotcha so they changed it to greek okay so oblation to the lord a token of the bread offering and the bread is important we'll talk about this more when we get to the actual sacrament itself but the sacrifice of bread was to give a staple of living so like i'm giving you this bread that i need to survive because I trust that you'll take care of me. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Right? So putting these 12 loaves in front of the Lord is saying, we know that you'll take care of these 12 tribes. Gotcha. And they've given themselves to you in this bread. Right. Right. So regularly on each Sabbath, so weekly sacrifice of bread, and actually they'd use wine too. Right. They do use wine. Yeah. Well, shall be set out before the Lord. And in Hebrew, it's before the face of the Lord on behalf of the Israelites by an everlasting covenant. It shall belong to Aaron and his sons, who are priests, who must eat it in a sacred place, since it is most sacred, his as a perpetual due from the oblations to the Lord. So, we have the idea of the showbread, or the bread of the presence, uh, being, well, in the presence of the Lord. But it's even more than that, uh, because as time went on, it became, they came to understand that the bread of the presence was not just it's in the presence of the Lord, but is the presence of the Lord. Right. because it is the actual, uh, it's,
1: I mean, again, presence, the bread of the presence meant the face of God. It was, they they truly believed that this was Mm -hmm. the earthly face of God, essentially. Yeah.
0: And in, in, in Hebrew, it's actually not the bread of the presence. It was bread of the face. Right. Which,
1: uh, and I'll, I'll say Brant Petrie said this and this, I thought this was amazing, but it goes right in hand with this. he says, the earthly tabernacle is a visible sign of the invisible heavenly place of God. And the earthly bread of the presence is a visible sign of the invisible heavenly face of God. So, I'll go yes. ahead and write again exactly what, you know, bread of the presence actually is and the meaning behind it. Um, again, the, the Hebrew name for, uh, we're talking about Greek and stuff like that. Again, it was written in Hebrew and the Hebrew word for presence was panem which actually meant yep, face. Mm-hmm. Face, um, yeah. So the bread of the face, face of who God. So,
0: yeah. And there were three times a year, if I'm not mistaken, Lance, I think Brent Petrie talks about this too, but there yes. are three times of the year that um, they would bring out the bread of the presence, yep. the bread of the face. Yep. Uh, one was Passover. Yep. Uh, do you remember what the other ones were, Lance? You, were, yep. you
1: most recently read this. Yeah, it was the Passover. uh the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks um, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. So, Those, those three, um, those three feasts were the most important feasts to the Israelites, to the Jews. Um, every year they would make a journey to Jerusalem, um, specifically for this, um, this event, which again, why Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover. Um, he went many times to all three of these. Oh yeah. Um, and they would bring out the, the bread of the presence. Um, the priest would hold it up and they would say, um, Behold God's love for you. That would that was the term that they would they would use showing and that was their the opportunity that the the layperson uh, lady could actually see the face of God, you know, the earthly yeah. face of God.
0: Which is kind of an early that's kind of an early manifestation of how we've do adoration yeah right so we have the host up in the ta- in the uh, in the monstrance right yep so it's it's meant to be this idea that he's present here with us so right. it's it's uh he's he's here but not because he wants to show that he's dominating us it's not oh. like a it's not uh an alpha ma- male move no. right it's when the priests say behold God's love for you he loves us so much that becoming bread he becomes flesh right, right? so when we John 3 16 god so loved the world he sent his only son right but that takes even greater shape in john one where he says the word became flesh and dwelt among us for the jews how did he become flesh and dwell among us it was the bread of the presence it was the bread of the face
1: that's that's how he was for them in the old testament until jesus obviously (laughs) yeah until jesus yeah but the jews they didn't just believe like oh this is a symbol
0: of his presence it was he was here
1: cool um yeah, so with the bread of the presence again, it was it was brought out there with them, um, and and it was brought out in those three, right. those three times of the year. Yeah,
0: so and that's um, pretty cool. So the uh, what was great about the bread of the presence was um, the Jews they didn't believe it was just kind of like a symbol of God's presence. They believed He was really and truly like there. Right. Like, it was God Himself was in they He was more present in the bread of the face than He was in the Ark of the Covenant. Right, right, and it was crazy. You couldn't touch the ark without dying. Right, but you could, but the priests could eat the, of the bread, bread of the presence.
1: Well, I mean, it had to be changed every every Sunday, every, right? Sunday, every, sab- every, every, every Sabbath, every mm-hmm. Sabbath. Right. So, um, and they had to make the and it was twelve cakes, if I'm not mistaken, that they would make every every uh, Sabbath, which yeah. is interesting too. Um, and this can kind of tie into the Old Testament, and New Testament as well, but. Going into the New Testament where Jesus is challenged, uh, saying, well, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And then he goes and talks about King David eating the bread of the presence, bread of the face. One of the few times yeah. that Jesus actually talks about the bread of the presence in the New Testament. Um, but it's interesting, too, because no one's supposed to be working, but the priests are over here working on making the new bread of the presence. You know, the making presence. The new... yeah. you're right. So it's interesting in that. Yeah, and through that, they would make that sacrifices. sacrifice.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, but it is just kind of an interesting detail that you can't touch the ark, but you can eat God's presence. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Right. Hold right. on to that one too.
1: Right, but again, to your point, it's it's important to know that the, the early Israelites, the early Jews, truly believed the bread of the presence was the face of God. It was not just a symbol of God; it, it truly was God Himself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's meant. It was everything we see in the Old Testament is meant to be a type. So a type. If you've ever heard of typology, typology is the study of images we see in the Old Testament that have a New Testament um, correlation. Correlation, you could say. So the and but it's it's kind of more than a correlation. It's like a fulfillment. So like okay. they have an old a New Testament fulfillment. So you like let's take Eve. Mm-hmm. She's a type of Mary, right? right? So who Eve should have been is fulfilled in Mary, right? Right. right? So what we see in the bread of the presence what we see in the manna, which is that we're supposed to see those kind of combined mm-hmm. as a type for what we see in Jesus through, you know, John six, through the, the last supper discourses, all of right. those things. Right. So, uh, it's, it's really pretty, uh, essential to study some of our typology. So if you mm-hmm. look at the Jewish sacrificial practices in general, all of them are a foretelling or a type of the sacrifice of Christ. Right. So in the cross, all sacrifices find fulfillment. We find that in the letter to the Hebrews, especially chapter 7, chapter 10. Um, all the sacrifices we see of the lambs, Yom Kippur, the scapegoat, everything, all of them find their terminus in Christ, right? who's this suffering servant mm-hmm. who takes on the sin of the people and sacrifices himself. Uh, so if you read Isaiah 53, that's where you see the suffering servant song. Uh, gotcha. But like I said... All that reaches its terminus, it reaches its uh, its fulfillment in the person of Christ.
1: Right. Very good. All right. Any any other big things? I guess from the Old Testament. I mean, there's there's a lot. We there's skimmed, a ton. We skim through it uh, very quickly. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else that might
0: be from the New Old Testament will probably actually be referenced in the New. Right. So we'll this might kind be, of be a good that. segue into the to the New Testament. The
1: <laughs> yeah, into the
0: new testament love it cool um all
1: right so now that we're like you just talked about the typology and um the fulfillments of that so mm-hmm. i guess maybe the probably the best place to start would actually be um probably the passover um would you say that or would you where, where do you want to start i guess
0: i think that would be good if we started with the passover but then made a jump back okay uh, so specifically with the passover the last supper
1: yeah, um, yeah.
0: Which is this, Which is him celebrating the Passover. It's actually interesting. We talked about this in our Lent podcast, I think, for Holy Week. We did. Um, so the Last Supper was actually the vigil for right. pa- Passover. And I'll say um,
1: this, man. I When I was reading through the book again, uh, knowing some of the things, especially I've been going through uh, Father Mike's Bible and Ear, which uh, I'll put a little plug in for that because it's been awesome. Uh, you should definitely do he's it. He's our if, competition, but right. He's our competition. Fun. We're 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 getting there <laughs> to his level. <laughs> no, <laughs> honestly, he he's awesome. I've learned so much, so much about um especially the old testament now reading through this book, you know, Brant Petrie's book again, man, it just it blew my mind even more than the first time. Um but um where was I going with that? I don't know where I was going with that. I don't really know. Anyways, talking about the um yeah, the Last Supper. Well, yeah, what the Last Supper. About? Well, we were talking about how it was the vigil. Oh, the vigil and how I realized like, oh yeah, this actually happened on the eve and his death actually happened on the Passover, uh, the yes. Passover day, the day of um, that was supposed to be celebrated, which is, yeah, that blew my mind. Yeah. Sorry, a uh, little tangent. Yeah,
0: that's okay. It all <laughs> happened. It happens all the time, Lance. No problem. We're all there. Right. <laughs> We've all done it. Um, but hold that thought because that's actually going to be an important detail. I've got my outline in front of me, okay. And uh, that very detail is actually right there. Nice, so, love it. But I think if we start at the Last Supper. It's just, like I said, it's essential that we see in Jesus the fulfillment of all these sacrifices, right? Yeah. Um. So we find them come to kind of come to a head during the Paschal Mystery, which starts at the Last Supper. Hence, right. why the the Paschal Triduum is Holy Thursday, right? Good Friday, right. Holy Saturday, onward, right? Gotcha. So at the Last Supper, what they're celebrating is Passover. So they're mm-hmm. celebrating the memorial, right? right. And uh, they're celebrating what they typically would. But then he changes some things up. Uh, he changes up... Uh, I mean, the, the prayers are all the same for the most right. part. But then he gets to the, the blessings of the bread and wine, right? right. So he... There's actually uh, like four times that he does these different blessings with the wine specifically. It's two with yeah, the bread,
1: right? There's four. There's four cups of wine that are supposed to be yeah. with the the Passover meal. Uh, each yeah, wine, so if- each glass, I guess, represents a new stage within the um, within the Passover meal or the Last yeah. Supper that he has.
0: Yeah, within the within the Passover meal, which is also kind of a different stage in the Exodus event. Right, is kind of the idea. So there's, I think they've they've bless bread twice and then there's the four cups of wine. Right. So it's when he gets to the you know that second blessing of bread and he says this is my body. That's when everyone's kind of like hmm? wait a minute. <laughs> right? What's going on here? <laughs> right. And uh actually there's an excellent book called uh it's called the biblical it's it's called um the biblical uh a biblical walk through the mass by Edward Sree. Hmm and uh i did just did a bible study on this mm. but what i did is i went through the mass itself so i got my roman missal and i decided this was what i was going to do for um our bible study just do the biblical walk through the mass and uh i didn't really consider this i think it's something i probably intuitively kind of knew but i never really considered this but the words of consecration are um animal sacrifice words really so yeah so first off when we so during the uh during the presentation of the gift we have these offertory prayers you know blessed are you lord god of all creation right for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you um of the earth and work of human hands it is it will become for us the bread of life right so that is an ancient jewish prayer that's something that jesus himself would have prayed that's something the apostles would have prayed this is something that joseph would have prayed the jews prayed this prayer um, or at least some version of it. Right. Same with the wine, it's a similar prayer for the wine. So then we get to the words of consecration. So the this, this is my body, this is my blood. This is shocking because what he's saying is that um he's the new Passover sacrifice. Right. Because it wasn't just the lamb that was sacrificed, it was the bread, it was the wine, right? Because right. it was part of the meal. Right. So take this all of you and eat of it for this is my body. Right? This is an animal sacrifice. So it's a it's a it's a Passover prayer, hmm. right? Which will be given up for you. So this word given up in Greek is didomai. And didomai is always used in the context of sacrifice. Okay. So it's this, I'm giving up this
1: bread, Sa- giving right. up this lamb. the sacrifice up whatever. of whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, so this is sacrificial language. He's talking mm-hmm. about being a sacrifice. Wow. Right. And so then when it goes down, this is the chalice of my blood. Right, again, this is animal sac. and right. this is animal sacrifice. The blood of the new and eternal covenant. So this is looking back at the covenant in Exodus. Right. This but is this that is fulfillment. Exodus twenty four.
1: Right. right. So
0: Exodus twelve is where we have the first Passover. Right. But then in Exodus twenty four, it talks about the new covenant, this new ratification right. of of the 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 covenant God makes with his people. Right. And this right. is the We'd fulfillment
1: th- of the new covenant that the jewish people were hoping for were expecting for right. which
0: is what they were hoping for so this is like in the mind of the apostles who were there they're like okay right. hold on <laughs> and they, <laughs> and they, and they would know things. this yeah exactly yeah. especially all those spinning... things that they talked about this is this is happening right like this is what we've been hoping for right uh which will be poured out again sacrificial language for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins right so the blood poured on the altar. So that reminds us of the blood being poured on the altar during atonement sacrifices. Mm-hmm. So atoning for sins. So right. in Leviticus 4 um there's several verses that talk about the blood being poured on the altar. Uh that that's those were done for and ma- uh, masses. Those were done in sacrifices <laughs> for the atonement of sins. Right? So he's using actual sacrificial language. Yeah. Wow. Right? So this just is probably blowing everyone's mind. It's blowing my mind right? still and I It's and i knew it
1: to some degree <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so then he goes even a step further and ends with do this in memory of me right? right so he takes all of that mosaic language that the language that moses gives us in the old testament of right. course through god through moses right right and saying all this is going to be done as a memorial right you're doing this in memory of passover happening yep now he's saying do this
1: in memory of me he's saying do this this animal sacrifice of the bread and wine now his body and blood in remembrance of me
0: in remembrance of me he's saying make this an actual memorial something that will bring people back to this moment yeah right so he in doing so he then leaves us his presence and leaves us the ability to call down his presence in a localized form wow right so it's it's kind of creates this it doesn't kind of it makes this new bread of a pregnant presence this new bread of the face right And uh, so, like I said, all sacrifices culminate in this one sacrifice of Jesus. So now the manna is not autonomous. Mm -mm. The bread of the presence is not autonomous. The sacrificial lamb of Passover is not autonomous. They're all contained in that one host. Right.
1: Now we have that earthly visible sign of God's face. I mean, Jesus, but now he's giving it to us in a physical way.
0: Yeah, he's there, man. Right. He's there. And we call it a sacrificial presence. Um, That's something we'll talk about later on. Um, but that's imp- that's an important distinction. Um, he is physically present, but more precisely, he's sacramentally present. Because mm-hmm. if he's physically present, we're cannibals. Because right. that means the bread and wine physically <laughs> right. become body and blood, and <laughs> that's right. uh, not okay. That's we but don't do that. <laughs> we we're not into that. We Us are Catholics not are that. not into that kind of stuff. <laughs> that is, we are not cool with that. <laughs> no. Right? No. So it uh, it becomes a really uh, it. It's just cool. Yeah. Right. So it's huge, this memorial. Right. And what's even more mind boggling to me, it, it shouldn't be mind boggling because he's God and he just knows what he's doing. Right. But he <laughs> predicted this. Like he's, this was even in the New Testament, he was like, by the way, I'm going to do this. Right. Right. So if you look at chapter six, all of chapter six is called the Eucharistic discourse of, or the discourse, the bread of life discourse. Yeah. So chapter, chapter six, six is of John. John. Yeah, chapter six of John is uh, is the bread of life discourse where he talks about all of this, and yeah. uh, there's a really in, an interesting switch in language. Uh, so it says in John six, I'm uh, starting with I'm starting with fifty two, um, verse fifty two. Okay, it says the Jews quarreled among themselves and said, "How can this man give us his flesh to eat?" Right, so they're like, "What's he trying to say?" Right. Jesus said to them. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. And then he makes a switch. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. The thing is, in English, both of those words are just eat. Right, right. right. But the first two times he says eat, it's fagete in Greek. It's just this normal eating. You're going to okay. consume me okay but this third time he says eat it's trogon and trogon right. means to gnaw like a dog uh, gnaws on a bone right yeah so this is like a this is animalistic this is right. you i want you to devour me so he's right. using physical language you literal language <laughs> so then he when he's saying this is my flesh take this all of you and eat of it He's not using Trogon at the Last Supper, but he is using eat. But they would have remembered, right. oh, wait, he told us. He did we say that to something this. about this. Right. 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 So we're literally eating his flesh in a sacramental sense, right? Because he changes the substance of bread and wine into his flesh and blood. Right. Uh, well, then And can... it is, not right. symbolizes. Right? right. So he says, this is my body, not this is a representation of my body. Right. If you read right. your Greek, it's, it's, it's plain as day.
1: Right. It's it is, yeah. Well then he goes and continues again he talks about, you know, the flesh and he actually mentions it five different times, if I'm not mistaken, of you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, or otherwise you have no life within me, or some form of that. He mentions it five yeah. different times of doing of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. But then he switches it and he, he finalizes and says, This is my bread which came down or this is the bread that came down from heaven, not such as yeah. the fathers, aka Moses and the old testament, ate and died. Um, he who eats this bread will live forever. So he, he yeah. continues on and now, and now he's switching that. He's now switching his body and blood, this this flesh into the bread and wine. Um again going in back to the
0: mm-hmm. old testament.
1: So Yeah. So then we have a,
0: uh, yeah, so after that whole after that whole prediction of what he's gonna be doing at the Last Supper, we get to it. And he always says, this is my body, this is my blood. And it's interesting that this is my blood comes with that that kind of final cup. Right. right? But he just passes it out and says, I'm not drinking this. Right. Right. This is, I won't drink of this again. Why would he not drink of it? Oh, you're about to find out (laughs) because he's at the cross, Lance.
1: That's right. And uh,
0: (laughs) as he's on the cross, there's the seven last words, right? And one of Mm -hmm. those last words is I thirst. Right. And so they give him what? Wine.
1: Wine on a hyssop.
0: And he drinks the last cup and then immediately following it is consummated and he gives over the spirit.
1: Which he actually denied the wine the first time he was offered it, Um, which I learned this uh, actually reading it the second time was the wine offered to uh, the prisoners or the, you know, individuals getting executed was to actually numb the pain of what actually was going to happen. That was the, yeah, it was the last it. act of mercy. Mm-hmm. And so he denied it. Well, why would he deny that? Besides that, he wants to, he's going to endure the suffering for us. But yeah. Um, yeah, he waited until moments. I mean, that was his last words was, I thirst. And then the next words he said after that was, it is finished. And he passed. Yeah. And what was finished?
0: The Passover. Right. The Passover. <laughs> it's all So finished. he's just that new Passover lamb. And in more Just outstanding is when they crucified him, it says that he was crucified at the hour of the evening sacrifice, Mm -hmm. meaning the sacrifice of the lambs for Passover. Right. 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 So he's just, we find at the cross the fulfillment of all of that. We find the fulfillment of the suffering servant from Isaiah 53, the scapegoat, Yom Kippur, expiratory sacrifices of old, all that's right at the cross. Yeah. And just right there at the Passover lamb, man. Yeah and Rev the book of Revelation is really good the book of Revelation is uh, so we have the Gospels which are our perspective of the cross and then you have the book of Revelation which is heaven's perspective of the cross oh okay so that's what we're supposed to see so the heavenly liturgy is the victory that is found in the cross
1: interesting okay
0: and it just continues so it's not about the end of the world right unlike (laughs) some of our predecessors would say I will fight everyone to the death on that (laughs) Everyone I meet because I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have I have a piece of paper that says Master of Arts that tells right. me I know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Not that a piece of paper matters, right? Right. But right. it's uh it's but the book of Revelation is so beautiful because it explicitly outlines like this is if you know what you're looking for and you know that you're looking at what lens you're looking through, it's heaven's view of the cross. Hmm. Which is just amazing. And the resurrection, hmm. right? So yeah. It's the whole Paschal mystery is being looked at. But the Paschal mystery doesn't stop at the cross. Um, it uh, keeps going, right? So we have the resurrection, right? Which, is, uh, which gives power to everything. You know, the Paschal mystery is what gives birth to the sacraments. Um, blood and water come out of the side of Jesus. And uh, when the blood and water come out of the side of Jesus, it gives birth to the church, right, in a certain way. Um, thus, uh, but the blood and water are baptism and, um, the Eucharist, right? So the blood and the blood and water, this Eucharist and baptism, it shows us what's going on, but if he just dies, it doesn't really matter. So he has to rise from the dead. This is another thing we talked about, uh, during our Holy week one, but I think it's beautiful what we see in, uh, in the road to Emmaus after the resurrection, right? So the resurrection is great. Everything's good. He talks to the apostles. He appears to Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Cool. The road to Emmaus in Luke 24, uh, verses 13 to 35. Um, If you especially read 30 to 31 and verse 35, it talks about them recognizing him in the breaking of the bread.
1: Right. They didn't recognize him until then.
0: Yeah. So what that's telling us is he's showing us at the resurrection, everything that I just did, that's what's that's what you're seeing every time you break the bread. Wow. Yeah. Right. So he rises, appears to everybody, mm-hmm. gives them final instructions. They'd have this road to Emmaus and like they they see that everything that was at the cross, everything that was at the last supper, everything that he talked about is in the breaking of the bread. Yeah. And they spread that to the early church.
1: Right? right. I guess I just realized this that that's the first time that they are now participating in the memorial of the yes. last supper like that was that's the first one and it's documented yeah, that's right the first there. mass yeah
0: i mean the first mass after the last supper of course right but, right
1: but again they're participating again with jesus and through the breaking of the bread is it's revealed to them who is actually with them is yeah. jesus christ was with them and now he's with them through the body or the the bread and wine kind of deal. yeah wow. light bulb how about that? Light bulb moment, man. <laughs>
0: uh, so it's, uh, and it's that same, that same light bulb moment, I'm sure happened to a lot of the, I'm sure. the disciples. I'm sure. Because um, if you look at the early church, you know, you go throughout the Old Testament, you know, the early Christians referred to the mass as the breaking of the bread. So it's yeah. not a surprise that what we see in Emmaus continued on throughout, you know? So for example, in Acts uh, chapter 2, 42, I believe it's where it's at. Um, it talks about them being dedicated to prayer and the breaking of the bread. Right. Right. What was the breaking of the bread? It was this memorial. They were, mm-hmm. they were already like just Jesus goes up into heaven. They said, all right, let's go break the bread. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> and if I recall, let me look at this. Cause I, I need to fact check myself. Oh dang, I was wrong. That's okay. <laughs> so what I was thinking was that uh oh I thought it was I thought they were already doing this before Pentecost but it doesn't mm. say that mm. it says it's afterward but oh. whatever it doesn't matter it's right. fine it's all fine it's all but fine. they <laughs> but they're already doing this so after the resurrection they're going from town to town introducing the breaking of the bread to everyone right fulfilling the command to do this in the memory in memory of him yeah and uh the this we'll talk about that in part 2 but um the this is is just this memorial all the time
1: um, so, celebrating the memorial of the last supper
0: of the last supper or and which and not just the last supper but the whole the paschal whole,
1: event right
0: right the whole paschal event um, and that's uh, and pasch is just the passover so when we mm. talk about the paschal event it's the passover over event mm. but it's the passover of jesus right so right. in participating in the passover meal of jesus right the mass the eucharist we're celebrating our passage from slavery to freedom as well right just in a different way gotcha.
1: gotcha which is beautificent right um okay so all in relation to the early church and this is going to be kind of jumping back a little bit um mostly to kind of like the bread of presence and how that has a role in it but um they were going off and they were Going to different cities, and they were taking the breaking of the bread and and sharing that, and and participating in the memorial of the Paschal sacrifice. Um, being a first century Jew, they w- they would have known that sacrifice can only happen by a Levitical bloodline.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not necessarily. We I mean, we don't know for sure if any of the apostles were of the Levitical bloodline we you know jesus was um but i guess is there like how are they able to now participate in that make that sacrifice because before you know in exodus when they were actually going back to the old testament when they were in egypt it was the father of the family father of the household was the acting priest or that's where we get the priest prophet and king um yeah and, but you know once they left and then the whole golden calf in it that's when the levitical line came important where they were the right. able, you know, the Levites were the able to make that sacrifice. That was carried on for years until Jesus came and established yeah. the new, the you know, the new priestly order, I guess, in that way. Um, can you kind of talk about that a little bit and how Jesus was able to make that? And I guess it really kind of comes into when Jesus talked about the brother presence and referring mm-hmm. back to, um king david's incident you know on this on the sunday and that kind of stuff that whole yeah you know
0: story. um so it was it's all it was always god's desire to make a royal priesthood right, right? where where everyone would be a nation of kingdom and priests right you know, it we wasn't see that supposed in, to be yeah it was supposed to be like every everyone everyone right. was a priest you know right. because everyone was supposed to be able to sacrifice to god to worship fully uh so you know we see that in exodus 19 uh, it's in Isaiah for sure. You know, Isaiah 61 says, uh, let's see what Isaiah 61 actually says. Um, I really like what it says in Isaiah. I don't have it memorized. I should have it memorized. <laughs> but in Isaiah 61, I believe verse 6. So if you have your Bibles, join me. Join me. Right? So <laughs> Isaiah 61, 6 says this. You yourselves shall be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You shall be called you shall eat the wealth of the nations and in the riches you will boast. So it's a restoration of this national priesthood of the okay. people of priests. And uh, we hear David talk about it in the Psalms, you are right. a priest forever, like Melchizedek of old, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, it's, it's Melchizedek's priesthood was not Levitical, right? He was long before Levi, Definitely right? So he, uh, but it's his type of priesthood, one that's divine in nature, not genetic in nature. That's the priesthood that God wants for us, Mm -hmm. right? So um, that's the priesthood that was preached, you know, by the, to all these towns. Uh, All were invited to take part in the sacrifice of the mass, the breaking of the bread, right? And all were invited to consume the meal. So we talked about consumption being an important detail in Passover and in all the sacrifices. Uh, Only the priests could rightfully eat, some of the sacrifices, specifically right. the bread of, of the presence, right? um So, like in First Samuel, he and his uh and his compatriots are off to go; they're on right. some campaign, and they need right. food, right? So they stop by, and they're like, "We need bread." So the priest said, "Well, the only thing I have is
1: the bread of the face," which was actually on the Sabbath, which means that he's going to be getting rid of that anyways. But yeah, right. so
0: that's neither here nor there, right? Right. So it's but it, but it did have to
1: be consumed by uh, a priest a priest which david was i mean he was of the levite line right and yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um he was from judah judah sorry yeah yeah
0: he's from judah but, but there was uh, there was
1: some stipulation of like you could consume it if you withstood from women i think and something else or something yeah you like
0: abstained that. from uh women and alcohol right is right. what it was so which... It um so and they had because they were on a battle campaign they need right. to anyway so they're gonna have their wits about them right so the priest said okay here you go mm-hmm. so in that case they made a, he made a judgment call because there are laws that say if they're poor or hungry feed them right right, right. so uh but only the priests could rightfully eat they don't, mm-hmm. they're the only ones who had the right to eat that right but that, so goes, that means that it, the whole consumption
1: part of it too you know um going back to it, like it was very important during um, we're kind of jumping back to the Passover a little bit, but it was very important for everyone to consume the lamb. I mean, that was a yeah. critical component of, um, uh, completing the sacrifice. Yeah. It was know. essential. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they yeah. practice their, their pre Levite priestly role. Right. Right. Gotcha. Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's the priests who consume the sacrifice and they go back to that pre Levite priestly role at every Passover at home. Right. So they, uh, they are fulfilling this desire for God to create a royal priesthood. So, if they're able to all partake of the meal, specifically the bread of the presence that's contained in the uh, contained in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. that means that they've all become priests. Okay. Right. So if they're if they're baptized, you know, we said this in our our podcast on baptism, they're anointed priest, prophet, and king. Right. As a priest, they have the right to offer and consume mm-hmm. the sacrifice. Right. So it's this right and privilege that we have.
1: So with that, and you being a priest and the Catholic Church, you know you're the being a priest are the only one able to actually consecrate the you know bread and wine into mm-hmm. the body and blood of Christ. Where where is that? I guess established. I don't know if that's maybe a good time to talk about this or not, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of, a, we kind of mentioned it a little bit when we did the we can kind of talk about it in Holy or Orders. Yeah, we yeah. kind of talked about it in Holy Orders. We talked about it a little bit in baptism. The difference is there's one that's called ministerial priesthood and one that's called royal or baptismal priesthood. Right. Everyone who's baptized um, is a priest, mm. but that priesthood is um, further uh, united to the priesthood of Jesus through Holy Orders. Right. So, um, that's the ministerial priesthood. So, my priesthood exists because I have a further participation in the priesthood of Jesus. Gotcha. Um, so, it's my is my life to offer that sacrifice, to offer sacrifice in general, to mm-hmm. give of myself, to mm-hmm. give of myself to the community of the church, right? And because not everyone is called to that, the baptismal priesthood or for the for the laity, who give themselves to their families as opposed to giving themselves to the community. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Cause in, yeah, in my, in giving myself to the community, one of the things I have to give them is Jesus. Right. 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 So you're supposed to do that with your family, of course, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's a different manifestation of the priest of Jesus. And gotcha. mine is ministerial in nature. So because I've got that ministerial degree, uh, of of participation, um, that is how I am able to offer that sacrifice.
1: Gotcha, very good, um, cool. So now carrying that out, you were able to offer that sacrifice till today, obviously in the whole remembrance mm-hmm. part of things. Gotcha. Oh yes. Oh yes. Very good. Oh yes. Awesome. Cool. Um. Very good. Anything else about the early church, Old Testament? Um, kind of wrap up this uh, the, the scriptural part, I guess, of this. Again, we jumped all over the place a little bit. We kind of touched on some things, but um, anything else?
0: No, I think we did a pretty good broad stroke of, of all of that. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for part two where we get into the nitty
1: gritty of. I am too. I am doing too. things. Yeah. I think, you know, to close here, um, you know, biggest thing is uh, we gave a very good, not maybe very good, Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. We gave an <laughs> overview <laughs> of, of Scripture. Uh, I encourage everyone um, to go learn more about it. If you're curious, learn more. Uh, there's so many resources out there. Like I said, we'll put on some of the resources, but man, there's more than what we're going to be able to show. Um, but we've the resources that we've used help. I mean, it's helped me develop mine, um, my understanding of the Eucharist and just a stronger relationship with the Eucharist. Um, it's been, it's been incredible. Like I said, this book, um, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist by Brant Petrie has been awesome. It's been critical. Oh Yeah, it's great. It's, it's honestly changed the way that I've, I've approached mass more so in the Eucharistic liturgy. Um, you know, I'm, I, I say every time that the priest raise up the hosts and, and the blood that I say, you know, behold God's love for you. It's because it, it truly is. I mean, that's, we're bringing, we're brought back into that, that moment of, the priest raising that up to us. We're participating in that again. And it's, it's incredible. So there's so many other things, so much greater knowledge in the books, the resources that we're provide. Like I said, just scratch the surface of some of some of the resources. So oh, check yeah. them out.
0: It's good stuff.
1: Yeah. Very good. Sweet. All now right. Shall probably... we
0: conclude with a little prayer here, Lance? We should. I want part to pick one. back
1: up on, on part two. Again, and nitty gritty. I love it.
0: Wonderful. Okay. So this prayer will actually come from the anaphora In the uh, first Eucharistic prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In humble prayer, we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high, in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Lord God, we thank you for this time today, and we thank you for the opportunity to come together to learn a little bit about your presence among us in the Holy Eucharist. We ask that all the things that we offer to you, uh, whether just in our lives or in the Mass itself, that they come to you pure and, and acceptable, without blemish, brought to you by the hands of your Holy Angel. And we ask that our, all of our offerings come to you with our own pure hearts, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
1: In the name Father, of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy, holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. I'll see you in a few. See you in a bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.